Welcome back to the Wild Side News. And now, Sidney Wildsmith. Birds are one of the most amazingly fascinating and beautiful families of animals on Earth. Their extraordinary behaviors and abilities, the tremendous diversity of shapes and sizes, and the unique ability to fly have captivated we humans since the dawn of time. All around the world, people live with birds in their homes as pets. Having a winged animal living with us, amazingly, provides millions of people with close friendships that can rival that of any other pet. There's a lot to know about living with birds, and today you learn from an expert. That's coming up, so don't fly away. We'll be right back. One of the things that fascinates me is animal intelligence. I talk about it all the time on the Wild Side News. And on a personal note, when I look at animals, I see them as very intelligent, wise individuals. And it it just manifests that way in my life. And I think the more that we open up and are aware of the fact that these are very, very conscious animals with all sorts of sensitivities and needs and desires and wills or lack of will and foibles and things, it becomes a much more fascinating and wonderful world. There's an interesting new pet store that's opening up in the Upper West Side of New York City. To talk about that now, joining us is Daniel Kapoulis, who is one of the owners. Daniel, welcome to the Wild Side News. Hello, welcome to you. Why don't you give us a background on Uptown Birds, how it came to be, and what your mission is? Well, basically, I started out as a small child raising birds, um, coming from a background prior to that of my family doing wildlife rehab. Um, So since I was 12 years old, I've I've always been involved in in bird care. Um, With that, you know, having larger and larger numbers, um, started doing veterinary technician work and then was actually a zookeeper for a couple years. I have pretty good knowledge, I I would think, um, of the animals that I'm working with here, um, especially the birds. So my concept for the store isn't so much about selling the pets. It's more about educating people um, and helping them out because there are so many birds that are out there, um, especially now in the pet trade. And if, you know, anyone that checks into it, they're also one of the most rehomed animals that there are, uh, more so than dogs and cats, um, partially because birds are... They can live to such long ages um, that they, some people don't prepare for that. Um, It is a a lengthy commitment. And then there are a lot of behavioral issues that come up, not necessarily because birds are bad, but because people don't appropriately know how to deal with issues with birds, which are their natural behaviors. And they're not made aware of that prior to purchasing such an animal. So my job is to educate people, and hopefully people that already have them um, in their possession, hopefully be able to reestablish a connection between them and that bird that they fell in love with when they first purchased it, because they are amazing animals, and there's a lot to offer with sharing your life with them. So anything that I can do to help bring that bond a little closer together makes the, the owner happier and make the bird happier is the ultimate goal. I'd like to talk more about birds specifically as the interview progresses here. But with the Uptown Birds, you have a very unique approach to working with a potential owner. Well, when someone comes into the store and they're interested in getting a bird, one of the first things that comes up is everyone wants an African gray. If anyone's familiar with them, African grays have a pretty high popularity um, due to Alex, which was a 
study bird for cognitive um, abilities. And every time that he was in the news, sort of like 101 Dalmatians, everyone wants to run out and buy one um, because they are intelligent. They're excellent mimics um, of speech and can work out puzzles and do all these great things. Um, one thing that most people don't know is the actual behavior of an African gray isn't really suitable for most people's households. Um, they don't deal with change very well. And it's, you know, I'm here to let them know that. Um, when people come into the store, they they usually come in with a specific thing in mind that they, they want to get because they've seen it on TV, they've seen it somewhere, read about it, saw a picture, it's a beautiful bird. Um, but there's a lot more to it than just what you see on the outside. So when they come in, we go through basically a little interview process um, where I ask a lot of questions, um, or my employees do. Um, and in the end, ultimately, I'm the one who makes the decision on who gets the bird and who doesn't. <laughs> Um, and what's, you know, maybe a more appropriate choice for them um, based on different species and their natural behaviors, um, either from their behaviors, uh, how they would be in the wild, um, or how they typically behave in captivity. Um, people can live peacefully with a bird uh, with that in mind um, if they plan ahead of time um, and know what they're getting into. So we spend generally about three weeks um, of someone coming in, visiting with a bird. Um, we do a lot of talking during that time, discussing potential problems that could come up. Um, and it's sort of like a, it's a pretty in-depth interview. We, it, we ask them what their intentions are in the next five years, um, ten years even, in their life. Um, do they plan on having children? Do they anticipate moving to a new home, moving out of state, moving out of the country? These are all factors that need to be thought about prior to purchasing anything. Um, these are very sensitive animals and need to keep that in mind before just running out and grabbing one. We want to make sure that the people are very, very secure with what they're getting. Um, and that the animal itself is going to be well cared for during that time um, because it is a commitment. And these are, these are birds that are under my care. Um, and ultimately, I'm res I feel responsible to what happens to them when I send them out into the world. So it's, it's, it's very important and very close to my, my heart what's going to happen later with them. Well, you actually hand-raise all of the birds that you sell. I think that's yes. true. Yes, for the most part. Um, the only ones that I don't are some, a few of the smaller birds, a few of the finches and such, but all the, all the medium to large birds I raise. I've had birds, and I am very familiar with your what you're talking about because I've made a lot of mistakes with birds. You know, I love animals, and I think I know the right thing to do, but when it comes to birds, they're not like a dog. A dog is very adaptable. A dog, you can just throw the dog in the back of a car or a pickup truck and head off, and that dog is pretty happy. Exactly. But when it comes to birds, I think, just from my perspective, I think one of the first things that people have to understand is that this is a fragile little creature that's, you know, you take the feathers off a bird, you've got a funny-looking little creature under there. Their bones are actually very fragile, so they naturally have reactions to deal with protecting themselves, which oftentimes freak people out. But it's critical for their survival, and therefore, in, in terms of just taking on a new, uh, the, the responsibility of a new bird, there's a lot you have to be aware of because their behaviors are very different and actually frightening to many people. Why don't you get into some of those aspects that I think people have to become aware of? Because it's an enormous responsibility, uh, particularly with birds. Yes, no, it, it is huge. Um, I'll just I'll choose a species in particular, which would be cockatoos. Most everyone that has ever handled a cockatoo or been around one, they love them because they're very cuddly birds. 
Um, they're like the teddy bears. You they'll sit in your lap for an hour and let you just preen them and you know play around in their feathers. They'll roll on their back and they just love this attention. Um, but one thing that's very natural for cockatoos to do is to scream and also to bite. Um, and in two, two different instances with that. Um, most birds do have a morning and evening call that they do. And it's because even though these birds do fly around in flocks, um, in the evenings in the wild, what they do is they, they go to roost with their mates. They don't stay together as a big group. Um, so in the morning when they get up, the natural routine is that they call everyone, all the rest of the flock members, and they'll spread out for miles. So they need to have a very loud voice to do that. Um, it, and it travels, and that's the noise that usually sends people to get rid of their bird. The whole point of all of this is there's safety in numbers. If you have a large group of birds that are going out to feed in the morning, it's less likely that if I'm that bird screaming to get everyone else together, that I'm going to be eaten by something if there's a bunch of us around. You might get eaten instead. So um, with that said, they, they try to gather as many together whenever they do go out to feed. And the same thing happens in the evening. Just prior to them going to roost at night, they they want to gather everyone together so they can do that last feeding before they go to bed. Mm. Um, and so there there is screaming that happens, but you can you can preempt that most of the time by incorporating that into your life. Um, when you get up in the morning, you know, rather than you know jumping to make that cup of coffee and ignoring everything else that's going on, getting dressed, rushing out to work, if you can spend ten minutes in the morning, um, even while you're making your breakfast or gathering your papers, doing anything, and interact with your bird a little bit during that time so that they know that they're part of the family group um, and all that's going on while you're putting their food in their cage, um, you're actually gathering the flock together before they start screaming. So you can you can kind of stop it from happening before it happens. Cockatoos are, I think, one of the most amazing animals that interact with humans. But people have to understand that they're like a perpetual two-year-old. Most birds are. They are very interactive, and they want to be involved in everything that you're doing, and they play. They love to play all the time, and and part of this is because of how intelligent they are. In the wild, they would have to be foraging for their food, um, and it's not, you know, they don't go out and find it in a dish somewhere. Um, They have to do a lot of work to get the food that they eat in the wild. Um, When you pull some of that behavior away from them, then they're left with not much to do. It's very easy for them to get bored, so... They, you know, like a two-year-old child, will find something to get into. Um, and many times that can be dangerous for them around the home. So you have to sort of bird-proof your house um, and watch for electrical cords and things like that um, that they could potentially get into and cause harm to themselves. Um, and they're always going to be looking for something. Um, and, you know, have to remember these birds, you know, even as they get older, they still have those behaviors, and it is because they would naturally be working all the time using their brain. Other things with them is that because birds are prey animals, you know, one big thing that people forget about is the way that they behave around them. Our quick behaviors and fast movements and things that we can do, like, you know, people kind of wave their hand over top of a cage will send a bird into absolute fear um, because in their head, naturally, is that they're always thinking that something's trying to eat them. So um, if you can keep that in mind, you prevent a lot of problems as well. Now, you offer these courses, and uh, how many people are coming to your courses? Um, Generally, we have um, anywhere from 15 to 20 people will come in at a time um, whenever we do a little talk about bird bird behavior. Uh, There have to be some main things that are are critical for people to know about birds. Why don't you cover some of those? Okay. Some of the 
the big things that people should keep in mind also, and this has to do with people that are not single um, and they have other family members um, or children are coming in involved in the situation, is that most birds do form pair bonds in the wild. Now, these pairs are they, they're very strong bonds. They're pretty monogamous more than most people that I know. I think there's a lot we can learn from them. <laughs> so with that in mind, um, you know, you also have to think they arranged marriages don't always work. So when people purchase a bird and there's another family member involved in the situation, many times that bird may not absolutely bond with the person that intended on having this bird as their pet. They may actually fall for another family member. Um, it's a very common thing that happens. And, you know, birds are very, very protective whenever it comes to the person or other birds that they're bonded to. Um, so what can happen many times is that they have their person that they, that they are bonded to, and then they start being a little bit vicious towards everyone else. Um, and then birds can have misdirected aggression. And what that means is if, say, me and my bird are hanging out and you came and sat down next to me, I'm the closest thing to the bird, and I'm going to get reprimanded, per se, for allowing you to come near me. So I, since I am the closest one and the bird can't bite you, there's a potential that I'm going to get bit. It's a, like a very jealous mate. Oh, uh, completely. You know, just they're, they're very protective. Jealous, it's jealousy. It is yeah. jealousy. Uh -huh. They can be jealous of other birds as well and other animals. Um, they, you know, interesting creatures, they, they, you know, if a bird's raised around other animals, say a dog or a cat, they, you know, not even another bird, they, they do view them as like other members of the family, you know, just as the people that are involved. So it, it doesn't have to even be another person. It can be another animal that, that they are, you know, displaying this aggression towards. <laughs> Other things that people need to keep in mind whenever they're thinking about getting a bird is making sure that they give them appropriate amount of interaction. Um, as I spoke about before, foraging is part of their natural behavior. Um, sticking a bird in a cage isn't really the way that we should be keeping them. I know, you know, when I was very young my first birds were parakeets and they weren't tame you couldn't really handle them without getting some pretty nasty bites on your hands um so it's it's kind of an ingrained thing in many people's minds uh, that did have some birds as small children that these aren't really animals that you can handle a lot of times so and they're content to sit in the cage it's really not true um it is best if the bird has a lot of time allowed outside of a cage um because they they aren't meant to be caged um, so, you know, a big philosophy here at the store is as much free time as you can allow is what's appropriate, um, and even more so if you can. And in, in with that, you need to provide some foraging opportunities for them. So we also teach customers and, and clients how to um, create some foraging items for them by, say, simple things such as taking a piece of paper and rolling it up with some pumpkin seeds or some, some other sort of treat inside, twist up the ends, and you can tie it to a branch somewhere. So the bird has to go, and they rip up this paper, and they're pulling the food out from inside. All of these are sort of natural behaviors for the birds um, to go out and have to, like, work a bit for their food. It keeps them very, very stimulated. They love doing it. And it keeps them out of trouble because if you give them plenty of other things to do, they don't have all this pent-up energy that is going to be expended later. Good point, yes. You know, in terms of letting birds out of the cages, I think there's quite a, a lot of people are confused as to whether or not they should clip the wings. Mm, wing clipping is a big issue. <laughs> yes, it is, I know. It's 
it's, it's definitely a, a top one here. Um, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, my my suggestion is, especially for someone that's getting a bird for the first time, when you first bring it home, it is many times helpful to have the wings clipped. If they're clipped appropriately, there is no permanent dam- damage to the bird or their wings, and the feathers fall out. It's completely cosmetic, um, sort of like cutting our hair. The feathers will fall out, and new feathers come in, and they're able to fly again. Now, many people have different methods in which they clip the wings. The way that I do it, the birds aren't completely grounded. They can still fly. They just can't gain a lot of um, altitude. So they're not going to go crashing into a wall or a window with any you know, great speed where they could hurt themselves. Now, after an initial period of being into a new environment, I feel that it's completely okay to let the bird be flighted. My personal birds are all flighted. They have free flight throughout the, the apartment. But... I'm also very careful with windows um, and also doors. Um, there are a lot of people that like to take their birds outside. Um, there, there's a huge risk in doing so if you have an unclipped bird. Um, they do have harnesses available now that which you could put on a bird if the bird will tolerate it. Uh, many of them won't. So it's a, a situation where you just have to try it and see. But I cannot tell you how many times I get phone calls, especially during the spring and summer, where I'm out trekking around New York City trying to catch people's birds from the trees. Um, so How, it becomes a matter of safety. Now, that's interesting because I've had birds. I've had them get away. Now, some birds, uh, I've primarily had cockatiels that do this, but some birds were willing to come back, and some birds just really it was a real challenge. I was pretty much, except for one bird that truly got away, and that's part of the challenge with flighted birds, as you say. You're, you're able to go out and actually somehow lure these birds back? At, at times. Um, sometimes it's unsuccessful. There are a lot of predators out there. They, you know, they can suffer the same fate as many of the wild birds that are out. Um, there are hawks. There are, you know, small animals like dogs and cats that are out um, that often catch these birds because these birds many times aren't used to flying great distances and having, you know, the wind. There's a lot of factors involved that tire them out very quickly. Uh, they get just completely exhausted and they'll fall. And the the other thing, as you mentioned, you've you've had one personally that you know just escaped and was away. Um, that is, especially in New York City, it's a it's a very common thing because here there are a lot of loud noises um, when a bird leaves a building. Um, we have horns honking and there's lights flashing and things going on all the time. And again, going back to the fact that birds are prey items. They get out there, they're completely terrified, so they're going to fly until they can't fly anymore, many times leading them miles away from where they started at. They're not paying attention where they left from. Mm -hmm. So they often don't know how to get back, even if they wanted to. Um, And it's very hard to catch a bird once it's gotten out. There are ways you can lure them back in because they do do seek human attention and they want to find food. uh, last year, we, there was an African gray that had escaped, and it was in this tree. It was a sycamore, and it had these seed pods coming off of it at the time. So that was one of the. It took three days to get that bird back um, because he was very content. He had food up there, and there were people on both sides of the street that were talking to him from the building. So he was completely content. He would just get close enough, but not quite close enough to capture. So it, it can be a, a huge challenge trying to, to recapture a, a, an escaped bird. So with that involved, it, it is a personal choice of whether you want to clip the bird's wings or not. It is important for them to get exercise because just as people, they 
they can suffer heart disease and, and so on from a lack of exercise. We're talking with Daniel Kapoulis, who's the uh, one of the owners of Uptown Birds in Manhattan. And uh, just a, a one, one personal note, I uh, got myself a, a new parrot, uh, and I was thrilled about the bird. And this is, one, this is where it gets so difficult, uh, and that's, I so much appreciate what you're doing because people have no idea what they're getting into oftentimes. And here was this beautiful new, new parrot. I think it was a, a red-fronted conure. And I brought it home, and I thought, well, this is going to be great. And I opened up the container and was going to put it in the cage, and it flew. And now I had high ceilings, and uh, I had this, this picture molding around, and that, this is what happened. I couldn't catch the bird. Yep. And then what happens is you get frustrated, and you know the bird is always going to be able to fly out of your way. And so I ended up, and this is where I started off absolutely wrong, chasing the bird around, you know, trying to catch the bird. In the which, in which case, the bird is seeing me, this new owner, as the monster. Exactly. And it took a. I don't know that we ever really fixed that, but yep. just that one little moment where the bird flies off, and then I can't catch it again. I personally think that. Uh, my, my own personal opinion is that if you bring a bird home, it's really uh, it's a real smart idea to have the wings clipped so that they can't just fly away from you. Because if they do, you may never catch them again in your house. Exactly. You, you've yet to establish a relationship. So um, it's, it's better to allow the time to do that. And, you know, like I said, with most wing clippings, within three to four months, the wings are grown back out again. And you have this very well-established relationship where the bird does trust you and it's not so fearful um, because as your situation, you find yourself chasing a bird around, and the bird is looking at you, again, as something that's going to eat it. Right. So you've created a completely fearful situation for the bird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one mistake a lot of people make is that it, birds are, are very graceful, but just like us, they sometimes are little klutzes, so they'll fall. Um, when they do that, most people's reaction is to run right over and grab the bird. And, you know, the birds are down on the ground, and there's this giant person running after them, and, you know, to the bird, they don't really realize that they're the reason why they fell, and you're chasing it down, so you become a predator. Yeah. Um, yeah, fast movements around birds. I, I've, I've learned uh, it's better to just move a little slower. Yeah, move slow. Yeah. Generally, they'll come to you. Yeah. Um, or, or at least it'll give them a chance to realize that you're not coming to mean them any harm. So. There's unusual things, too. For example, I've learned that my bird is afraid of dark objects. I don't care what it is. If it's mm-hmm. dark and it's big, my bird will very often absolutely totally lose it in the cage, you yeah. know, uh, if I'm if there's something black, a large black object. Um, that is pretty common, and my best explanation for it is that because birds are prey animals, one of the biggest things that they have to look out for, since they are flighted, um, and in the countries where most of them do come from, one of their biggest predators is actually other birds, um, which would be larger, either hawks or eagles, um, which uh, any of those flying ahead is going to cast a big dark shadow over the bird. So when they see these objects kind of going around that are dark and they're large, it is, it, it's a, an instant fear factor for them. Let's also talk about some of the variety of birds. I have a cockatiel right now, and I'm quoting someone else. I have to be careful in this political age of, of quoting someone else and, and not giving them credit. But a friend of mine talking about cockatiels said that pound for pound, it's the best little pet 
uh, you, you can have. It's an amazing little uh, creature, absolutely a, a wonderful friend, uh, and very complex. Oh, my gosh, she's going through laying eggs, and that's a whole other issue. Yeah. You know, she's an unfertilized uh, female, and then every so often she she's making these eggs, and, you know, that's a real difficult challenge. Let, let me just ask you that question, because we don't, there's all sorts of opinions about that, because they just lay eggs. Exactly. Um, it's, it, it's especially now that it's, um, we're getting longer daylight hours here. Um, birds are starting the cycle here in the city, and I'm getting phone calls or people coming in almost daily, and they're completely shocked that their bird that they thought was a male all this time starts laying eggs. I had that experience. It was just, and I want to continue that story, but it was so funny because I had assumed this was a male. I just yeah. always had. It's hard to sex uh, cockatiels. Then all of a sudden, one day, the bird disappeared, and when I found her, she was behind my toaster, and then she showed me her egg, and I would, And it was funny because prior to that, it was kind of like, yeah, it's my bird, you know, yeah. treating it like it was a male, and suddenly I realized it was a female, and it was my whole way of interacting with her changed, which I think is, I don't know what it is, it's just, I guess, human nature, but, but uh, yeah, eggs, they do that. Yeah. They do. Um, it, I, I do feel that it's important for people to know whether their bird is a male or a female um, because it helps you prepare for any potential health issues that may come up, such as egg laying um, and behavioral issues. And there are a couple ways of checking to see if they are male or female. Some birds are dimorphic, which means that you can tell the difference visually, um, but most citizens, which are parrots, are not dimorphic. Um, so in that case, they either need to be surgically sexed or DNA sexed, which requires just taking a small blood sample. Now, when you have a female bird that starts laying eggs, um, generally people find this out when they don't have another bird. They just have a single bird. Again, they usually think it's a male. Um, and then all of a sudden eggs appear. They're completely shocked. Surprisingly, some of them don't know where the eggs came from. <laughs> <laughs> That's but funny. they, you know, and then they're they're wondering if they're going to hatch, and they didn't know that birds could lay an egg without another bird around. No, the truth is that birds cycle just like every other animal does, um, so they ovulate. Um, now, with birds, unlike most mammals where it's on a routine schedule, birds are stimulated by a variety of things. Um, it could be increased light, more abundant and appropriate food, um, which for, to them means that there's going to be an abundant food supply to be able to produce chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and to feed the offspring. And then other things that many people do is that they like to give them cardboard boxes and stuff to play in. Um, when you give them things like that, they do start nesting behaviors where they'll start burrowing into this cardboard box, um, little dark corners that they like to hide out. And you know, as you said, your cockatiel laid eggs kind of in a corner next to the toaster. Um, nice little hidden away area. Seems pretty safe. <laughs> I thought the bird was gone. I couldn't find her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what they do. Um, so they start laying eggs. Um, now, some health issues that can be of concern with egg laying is with certain species, such as cockatiels, they're very prone, uh, because they are prolific, prolific breeders, they're very prone to laying a enormous amount of eggs. They will lay one clutch after another. And the problem with this is is that the calcium that it takes to make that eggshell actually comes from the bones of the, the mother bird. So they keep producing these eggs, and they're just depleting their calcium that's, you know, taking up or that's building their bones. And birds' bones are fragile to start with. They are hollow to allow all this air movement throughout their body and to keep their body lightweight so that they can fly. Um, so any little bit of calcium that's removed from that just makes them very fragile. Um, so many female birds that are egg layers tend to break bones very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. So it is a big issue. Other problems that can happen with it is they can prolapse. 
where basically their their uterine tract will come out with an egg from laying too many eggs. Um, and they can have egg binding, which means that they can't pass the egg. And all of those cases are, are true emergencies. Birds die very frequently from these things. And again, if you don't know whether you're the male or female and you start seeing some strange behaviors going on, it could be that the bird is egg-bound. So it is helpful to know if it is a female, so it can be one of the things on your mind. And in that case, you need to contact your vet as soon as possible. Now, in terms of uh, that particular issue, what's the best thing to do? You know, it, here is this beautiful little creature who suddenly, and it's amazing how their behaviors change and they become very motherly and they just, it's a its a total change in behavior and the relationship and it's fascinating. But then the question is, should I let her sit on, on these eggs that are never going to develop? What's a, What would your advice be on that? Because she, she went through six eggs this particular time and we, we I, I'm not one who, who likes to take these things away. It, it right. breaks my heart to do so but but i'm just curious what your thoughts are well that's a it's kind of an individual basis on that based on the bird and how they respond my my first inclination would be to leave the eggs Um, because oftentimes when you remove the eggs what happens is the bird during their breeding season if they if they did lose eggs or chicks they're going to try because it's very natural for them to try to procreate um, during that little small period of time or window of time that they have to actually do that so if you remove the eggs, oftentimes they'll just lay another clutch of eggs. But if you allow them to sit on the eggs, generally with most most parrot species, you have around 30 days where they're going to be occupied sitting on eggs. Um, so it's allowing more time to pass so that they kind of hopefully get out of that breeding cycle. It does seem a little unfruitful to <laughs> have these birds sitting on infertile eggs. But do, do they eventually just give up, or what happens? What's the natural do. cycle on that? They do. Um, another reason why birds are amazing creatures, they do have these internal time clocks. They know when their eggs are due to hatch. Right about the time that eggs are due to hatch, most birds generally will start getting off the eggs hmm. um, within a few days of when the eggs are due to hatch. That's fascinating. Um, and all species have different hatch days. Some are as low as 18 days and some all the way up to 34 days. Um, but they, they definitely have the timing down. They know when it is. Near hatching, you can actually hear the chicks inside the eggs. So there's part of it that if they start getting to that stage, um, birds don't hear anything from the eggs. They will start to leave the nest more often. We're talking with uh, Daniel Kapoulis, who's one of the owners of Uptown Birds in Manhattan. And why don't you give the address? Uh, Uptown Birds is on Amsterdam Avenue between 85th and 86th Street. So that's 526 Amsterdam Avenue. And do you have a website? I do. It's uptownbirds.com. Well, that's easy. For me, what I what I try to convey to everyone is just get the information that you need beforehand. Do lots of research and don't do an impulse buy. Um, that's the reason why most birds and other animals are rehomed is because they are adorable. You, you see them, you fall in love with them instantly, and you want to take them home. If we did that with children, it would be a different situation. <laughs> so we need to think of them as children um, before we just decide to have kids. We should really you know, think this process through. Can we provide a good home for them? Are we going to be good parents? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. And can you deal with everything that's involved with having this new this new life in your hands. Um, so those are the things that I think everyone should ask themselves before doing anything when it comes to getting another pet. Um, and there are several sources where you can find this information, especially with the Internet today. And just be wary of anyone that is quick to 
sell you an animal without asking lots of questions. It may seem a bit intrusive if they do, but generally those are people that care a lot about where the animals are going, and they want to make sure that they're going to the, uh, an appropriate place. So ask lots of questions, and don't, don't take information from just one person. Find several sources. There are a lot of people that know a lot of information, <laughs> so it, it is easy to, to access, and I'm pretty much always available. So... <laughs> Anyone can contact me whenever they need to, um, and it doesn't mean you need to purchase a bird from me. So. Mm, that's great. Thank you. That's a, that's a great offer. Yeah. Uh, do you actually want to give out your phone number? Um, we can. The store number is 212-877-BIRD. So that's mm. 212-877-2473. That's great. Anyone who has birds has favorite stories. I have about 20 thousand actually because they're such yeah. amazing creatures they're so intelligent and i know you must have some as well uh i i have numbers of them um but the first one that comes to mind is of my hyacinth macaw um it's a, at the time he was being hand fed um which is what you have to do with baby birds um if you do remove them from the nest prior to them eating on their own. So he's been fed with a syringe several times a day. This little guy had pretty free roam of the house during this time. He was feathered, but couldn't fly yet. Um, still very dependent on food. Hyacinth macaws are one of the largest macaw species. They get around pretty close to four feet in total length, um, including the tail. So it's a big bird. Every evening I would come home from work, and after feeding him, we would spend some time on the sofa, and both of us would obviously fall asleep. He just got fed. I was tired, so... <laughs> We'd take a little 30-minute nap together. And one evening, I went into the kitchen. I was making dinner, and it was very quiet. No one, as you, Anyone that has children or other pets knows if it gets pretty quiet, then you know something's up. So I <laughs> started going around to investigate, walked into the living room, and I found this bird who had never been able to climb up on anything on his own before, managed to make his way up to the sofa and was asleep with his head laying on the pillow. <laughs> so he went right to the spot where we usually went. <laughs> That's fabulous. They are such creatures of habit. They are. They, they also love routines. That's one thing I think is important for people to oh, yeah. really understand about birds is if you don't have a routine life, you best not have a bird. That's my impression anyway. That they like uh, they like things to happen at the same time, kind of the same things to happen. They love that, as a matter of fact. That's they do. They have very scheduled lives. How intelligent do you think these creatures are? How do you look at them as a bird owner and someone who deals with lots and lots of birds? Well, when I look at the birds, I view all of them as uh, they are all on different species have different levels of, of intelligence to some degree. Um, now, as far as actual studies have been done, you know, we spoke about Alex the African Gray. So everyone, everyone that knows about African Grays, they, they seem to be the primos on the intelligence level. But I would definitely have to say that any of them, if you, if you spend enough time with them and work with them, they all are super intelligent in their own right for what they need to survive in the wild. Um, these birds convey emotions. They they understand countless things. There's word association. It is very much like a child that is unable to speak. Human babies convey every type of emotion, and they have wants and desires and things that they, they would like to do and have happen. And the issue is they don't have a way of voicing it to us, mostly other than body language or from crying. So the same things happen with birds. Um, these birds understand a great deal, and they, they do want and desire many things. So it's our job as their keepers to try to be in tune with that and you know really be understanding as much as possible. 
I think it speaks volumes for their intelligent level. Um, they're very emotionally aware when their owner is upset. These birds will come over and try to comfort them. If you're sick, they, they are right there with you and try to do what they can to take care of you. I have many of my birds that even try feeding me. So <laughs> they, they definitely on the up and up and know what's going on. Fascinating creatures. Uh, all the more reason why I think it's uh, really important for people to prepare as you do so effectively through uh, Uptown Birds in yeah. Manhattan. A great effort on your part to do the right thing with these these amazing creatures. Daniel, I want to thank you for, for joining us here on the Wild Side News and encourage everybody to, to visit you in Manhattan and uh, give you a call. Visit the website. We'll have that information on the show page today. And uh, next time I'm in, in Manhattan and I get there on a regular the basis, I'm going to stop by and say hello. Yes, definitely. We'd love to see you. Okay, Daniel. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. And I thank you for tuning in. Now, don't forget to visit YouTube to see the premiere of the Wild Side News update. It's simple. Go to YouTube, search for Wild Side News. I hope to see you there often. This is Sydney Wildsmith saying adios until we meet again next Tuesday or anytime on the archives. When your voice of the earth rings out around the world, here on the Wild Side News.